Greetings, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to Cosmic Truth Transcendence, embodying your multidimensional self. The Cosmic Truth Conference is bringing together a masterful panel of New Earth visionaries who will share transformational, expanding, and liberating multidimensional wisdom. We are invited to transcend the profound meaning of our human existence and to embody our sovereign, multidimensional, divine cosmic selves, so that all together we create a potent force of collective liberation ushering in the new Earth. I am Anne-Lise Zacharia, host, and I'm very excited to welcome our guest, Jean Ang. Hi, Jean. Hi, Anne-Lise. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. So. Mm -hmm. I will um, introduce uh, Jean, I will introduce you to everyone. Jean Ang, PhD, has a healing practice based in Rancho Mission Viejo, California. Jean sees clients for a number of energy healing and shamanic healing practices. In addition, he teaches seminars that focus on the integration of science, spirituality, and healing. Jean travels both in the United States and internationally, facilitating healing sessions and workshops, particularly around the Arcturian healing method, the intergalactic healing method, and the five force healing modality. All those three healing modalities that he created as a synthesis of his studies in healing. You can find Jean on his website, arcturianhealingmethod.com. So, Jean, today we'll be discussing the global portals of ascension around the world. So, maybe to start with, could you share with us uh, who are the interdimensional beings that you work with and how did you get connected to them? Um, well, <laughs> could you start like this? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I just kind of came back uh, from Mount Shasta, which is the kind of the uh, background setting uh, that we had here. And for probably the last uh, 12 or 13 years, uh, I've been holding different uh, retreats uh, in uh, sacred uh, power spots. And of course, our own wherever we live is a power spot. Uh, we sort of bring our own consciousness and how we uh, view the world and it activates the world in that way in a co-creative manner. Uh, but some of these different areas, uh, many people have kind of come to uh, make connections to different spiritual realities. Uh, first, uh, kind of the source energy or the divine, also their kind of deepest sense of self. And then finally, uh, different uh, spiritual beings that have may have uh, ascended or moved forward in evolution and are here to help uh, beings and humans on the planet. So I think by going into resonance with these uh, different uh, locations, which act as amplifiers and also as uh, decrease the barriers to this communication, uh, we can come into more resonance with our own divine blueprint or plan. And that's why it's very restorative and uh, like this kind of idea of retreat to restore and align oneself and then coming back into the world. So I think these different uh, portals or uh, sacred sites allow us to um, assist in this acceleration on the on the planet. Right. So those um, because the, those portals of ascension, which are um, which are sites, as we as you mentioned, 
Uh, are they specifically related to interdimensional uh, energies in any case and beings in another case? Or how, how do you explain that such places, some places are more, uh, well, are portals and some are not? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, there are uh, various uh, places that could be considered like uh, even uh, interdimensional openings uh, just because people have uh, found them in the past. It could be uh, hundreds of years, even the thousands of years uh, where people have been using those same areas and uh, they may be linked now to a land structure. Uh, so I was thinking of particular, like in Peru, uh, there's the Amaru Maru uh, portal that's in Lake Titicaca. That's very easy to travel and it's actually uh, built into the side of a sort of a, a rock structure. And then, of course, there are uh, certain portals that are uh, within temples. Uh, so like in the uh, Dendara, there's a chapel of Isis, uh, which is a, there's a portal in the temple where people can travel. And this is, of course, not traveling physically, but you could say astrally uh, into other uh, interdimensional realms, uh, which usually come as a type of vision or like similar to a shamanic journey uh, where people can communicate to uh, beings that have other, what I call subtle body uh, vehicles, much like we do, but not the physical body. So how people might see uh, angelic beings uh, and then other beings that maybe not um, are classified under angels. And this communication sort of allows uh, people to have more spiritual information uh, about the world, uh, the universe, and as well as primarily about their own uh, spiritual development. Mm, right, so so those portals are, are truly gate sort of gateways to the other realms. Um, but the, there are not specifically uh, gateways for interdimensional beings to come to Earth, isn't it? It's more the other way around, even even though it's uh, in a subtle way and in astral way, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, it can be uh, both. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily uh, say that uh, the portals would be something that uh, beings would be physicalizing uh, into this uh, physical dimension, uh, but it is ways to allow uh, certain spiritual beings to communicate with human beings where it might not be as easy. So in, in a sense, they're coming into our dimension uh, through us. Uh, sometimes uh, there's, of course, uh, uh, obstacles or blockages. It could be within a person, so they may not have sort of the open uh, energy centers to perceive uh, spiritual beings or spiritual realities. Uh, but when you go to a, like a sacred power spot, uh, those uh, energy uh, centers within a person may get activated to a higher degree, maybe even temporarily, uh, and then they're able to communicate or see, so to, so to speak, uh, other um, dimensional realities and also spiritual beings in those realities and uh, have a communication that can uh, assist uh, assist them. Mm, right, right. Thank you for for unpacking this. And you are um, well, you are an interdimensional healer, so to speak. We, I mean, I suppose it's the term we can use for you and and your modalities. So, can, could you unpack for us what effect those portals have on, on people? Um, is, is there a physical effect or is it, you know, how, how would you qualify it? 
Uh, yeah, I usually uh, use what's called a seven uh, body model system. So we have like seven uh, uh, vehicles or bodies, uh, very similar to the koshas in uh, sort of Indian yoga system. So the seven bodies would be the physical, then the etheric or pranic body, uh, like the chi uh, body, where our acupuncture and chakras are located, and then the emotional body, the mental body. Uh, causal, uh, spiritual, and then divine body. So all these different bodies are ways that we can uh, have our place, our consciousness, and they ascend into uh, starting from the physical all the way to the divine into much more uh, subtle uh, and uh, all-encompassing and also causative levels. So the mental level would be uh, more causative than the physical so if we, like, for example, decided to come to Mount Shasta, of, uh, let's say, to have a retreat, it first starts out in the mental realm to have the idea. And then at some point, if uh, the focus is there, or the accumulation of energy through the focus, then it sort of um, concretizes or in alchemy coagulates would be the word into something in the physical uh, dimension. So all these different uh, dimensional spaces that a person has our um, capacities or ways that you could communicate uh, and also benefit from uh, other uh, spiritual or higher beings. And uh, these different beings, for example, that are part of these different healing modalities that you mentioned uh, that I had uh, sort of facilitated or created are ways to bring in these uh, subtle energies into those different uh, subtle bodies to benefit uh, a person or balance their uh, subtle vehicles. Right, so it's it's truly a multi-dimensional uh, healing, which uh, which ends up uh, on the physical level where, where people are have different symptoms. Um, and is this something um, that, uh, that 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 is durable, or 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 can we fall back, so to speak, and and then have to do it again, or? How does it go? Mm -hmm. uh, usually there's probably uh, from a larger perspective, like a karmic uh, connection uh, between like the meeting of a healer or a facilitator, uh, the person and perhaps what's going on in their life and uh, how many times they'll end up seeing uh, that particular uh, facilitator. Of course, we're always in a, a state of constant uh, change or flux. So things, uh, you know, in terms of the form, maybe it's a form of a symptom or a form of a healing uh, uh, won't last forever. Uh, and the person may change and want to either move on to another uh, pattern, so to speak, or that one will persist because there may be certain lessons that are still uh, being learned and uh, they may be continuing to go to the same facilitator or they may move on to uh, other facilitators or healing uh, information through the form of another healing modality. Uh, so I think um, usually just from the perspective of the facilitator, uh, if something does so-called concretize or coagulate into a session, then uh, sort of stay within that session. And then uh, perhaps maybe a future one is needed uh, or uh, there won't be that meeting. Uh, they may either not need it or the person will move on to another um, sort of modality just because their soul knows they need other information. 
Right, okay. And so if we go back to the, um, the portals of Ascension, the, the sacred sites, um, those are, um, you, you were mentioning resonating and uh, being also, also this karmic dimension. So once, uh, maybe it's also a reason why people travel physically to those places. So, so my question is, uh, well, first of all, is maybe this question. And also, uh, once people um, have done all this work on the sacred sites and done their, well, their sacred work, um, how does it impact the collective? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, well, a lot of these um, sacred uh, site um, retreats that I have been holding, uh, we hold something what's called like a extraterrestrial contact meditation at night. Uh, and people actually uh, have sightings of things that are not really explained by human uh, means. Uh, so more and more people are actually having all the way into the physical uh, experiences of interdimensional realities. Uh, I think the audience here probably already has a lot of experiences, but the general public is still, I think, moving uh, into um, an, a framework that includes the multidimensional realities. But I think the predominant reality, at least through modern education, uh, doesn't actually consider multidimensional realities. It's mostly what I would say uh, science or physical based. So what's uh, real uh, is what's in the physical. Uh, so even talk of sort of um, uh, non-physical beings probably wouldn't be allowed in, in you know, some uh, more public uh, conversations yeah, let's say, such as a scientific meeting, uh, a business meeting, for example. So I think predominantly um, on the planet, we're uh, at least not currently in a multidimensional reality. It may be like the cutting or leading edge of uh, human evolution that, to hold that kind of uh, framework. But I think as more people have uh, their own direct experience of those realities, it changes what we call the morphic field of humanity. So I think in that way, uh, globally, it accelerates the possibility uh, for people to start to have their own direct experiences who might be currently holding a more three-dimensional uh, sort of framework uh, because uh, those other realities somehow seep in because we're they're a part of us. So they may have intuitions or precognitive dreams uh, or some kind of a visitation from someone who might have um, already passed from their physical body. So various uh, openings into the spiritual world. So I think more and more of those are allowed as people who are already sort of multidimensional continue to do their work. And it won't have to be like a direct uh, communication. It's uh, an effect by resonance through the morphic field, uh, allowing that to change. Mm, right, absolutely. Yes, fascinating. And and um, so you were mentioning that people are, I mean, more and more people are became, becoming uh, uh, aware to this possibility, even though uh, with all the, the the things that you mentioned. But when people, um, yes, they open up, and so the morphic, morphic field also starts to resonate. But um, you mentioned uh, uh, all those phenomenons, let's call it like this, <laughs> You mentioned multidimensional phenomenons, but um, it seems also that more and more people are more specifically having direct uh, encounters with star beings, you know, as really, um, well, as, be as beings. 
Is this something that you also noticed? And um, and what is also this the effect on the planet of all those uh, new encounters? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like it's interesting. Uh, like if we just kind of see a recent um, uh, history in terms of the spiritual uh, society or uh, on the uh, globally, uh, you know, maybe thirty years ago there weren't many yoga studios kind of on the corner, like uh, in major cities. Now it's probably, uh, you know, uh, you could go to a yoga studio pretty much in any uh, major city uh, on the planet, maybe in the in the Western world, and, and it probably started in the Eastern uh, world, and of course in the North and South, and maybe they have their own unique ways. Uh, and then meditation now maybe is more um, globally accepted as a therapy, um so like maybe even now in business and military their you know uh talk of mindfulness is part of even their training program and uh slowly the energy world i think is starting to enter uh sort of like uh, the use of subtle energies of course these are ancient uh, technologies um you know that uh let's say uh one area of uh, the world where those came from was the east uh, but it's not the only place uh, so I think we're kind of on the cusp of having the energy world be more uh, like a global uh, uh, sort of accepted phenomena. And then finally, we mentioned, uh, just to answer your question, the star beings or interdimensional spiritual beings. Uh, I don't know if that's really quite there. I think it is starting to become much more accepted, like even in the United States. Uh, I don't know if that would be considered star beings, but definitely uh, unidentified uh, aerial phenomena was released uh, in the recent couple of years by the Navy. And now there are congressional hearings uh, regarding like the truth of sort of these different uh, crash sites and so forth that um, uh, different uh, officials are now admitting that they kind of had in the private sector uh, that the government was aware of, uh, or at least a portion of the government. So these things are starting to you know emerge into the general uh, consciousness uh, so I think more and more people are, are their curiosity is supported um, by uh, different um, uh, by the society. So, for example, people could find uh, like this telesummit and hear other people who've done that, uh, so that that confirms their experiences. Uh, and like I'm just uh, riding the backs of many uh, or people, uh, the shoulders of many people who are holding retreats for many decades, kind of quietly by themselves making this sort of interdimensional contact. But now there's many facilitators uh, that people probably could find on the web if they were very interested to have like an experience, whether it's at Egypt or Mount Shasta or um, maybe in France, uh, for example, with uh, Mary Magdalene. So now it's much more available. Yes, is this, would you explain this fact, well, you mentioned also, well, the evolution of the, the morphic field of, of the consciousness and the field and so on. But would you also explain this evolution with the, the energies of the planet and the energies of the, the cosmos, which are influencing our planet? Uh, yes, yes. So, uh, you know, uh, we kind of mentioned like the, maybe the timeline of these different interdimensional beings. So my sense is that uh, they've been with us probably even before different cycles of incarnated humanity. Uh, so we're talking maybe even millions of years. 
uh, thousands of years, uh, like all the way back to like ancient Egypt or Atlantis, where maybe even during that time, humanity was much more uh, clairvoyant naturally, and we're interacting with these beings uh, directly. And then maybe through time, uh, maybe for a certain cosmic reason, we became much more three-dimensional, so we could develop our individuated self, uh, develop uh, science and technology to a high level, because uh, those would probably wouldn't have been developed to a high level if most of humanity was still very like uh, open or clairvoyant, uh, possibly, or it would be a different kind of uh, technology that would be more uh, maybe spiritual or, or, or um, etheric in nature. And then now people are emerging out of that where they can both, you know, like work a cell phone or even be a scientist or an engineer, but have inner vision. Uh, so we're kind of moving more and more to this sort of uh, kind of combination of the two uh, so-called hemispheres, the brain, both the right brain, which is maybe more intuitive, clairvoyant, uh, artistic with the left brain, which is more uh, linear, technical, uh, and kind of uh, can dissect things and sort of combining those two together. Uh, so I think uh, as we kind of move forward, these different spiritual beings are assisting us uh, to help uh, do that. But I think they've always been present. Uh, now they're just coming more into the fore as we maybe can, uh, our subtle body system and consciousness can meet them in a very a balanced uh, manner. Mm, right. Yes, absolutely. And, and while you were speaking, I was um, actually... Um, Wondering about our um, the title of the summit is embody your multidimensional self. So I was wondering if, if if you could give us maybe some tips or advice on how to really help uh, coagulate or as you were using this word uh, our multidimensionality on in our earth self. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's great. I think it's a great question. Uh, yes, because usually, like, for example, using this idea of the experience of these retreats or people might do an online retreat, uh, for example, or be even exposed to these different interviews on the telesummit. A lot of energies uh, come in because the, uh, people are usually facilitating their chair open to those realities. And uh, it seems like nothing's happening three-dimensionally. Of course, people probably listening are, are already multidimensional and clairvoyant to some extent or to a large extent. Uh, so it's, uh, these energies get downpoured into those subtle bodies. And so I think to answer your question, I think the best um, sort of philosophy or idea in a packed form is to uh, exercise each of those subtle bodies on some regular basis. So, for example, um, just kind of looking at it from a maybe pathological state or something that would need healing. Someone could be quite spiritual, uh, download a lot of transmissions, meditate a lot. So there are subtle bodies, particularly, let's say, uh, above the astral, uh, so emotional, mental, causal, spiritual, and divine, could get exercised to a very high degree. But in case they didn't um, exercise their physical, etheric body, it could actually become quite weakened. Uh, their, their life could even be shortened, uh, physical in, incarnation. We're, we're talking about an extreme here. So most people will not be falling in this category, but at least as a kind of way to look at this. So uh, even though their maybe even divine body is completely uh, maybe even developed, they can stay like in a non-dual state for very long. Their physical vehicle, maybe they, they decided not to uh, pay attention to it. And this is very easy. I think 
people could see that it's so blissful and also from a cosmic sense, which people are now having more a direct experience if you're in the non-dual state, which would be the divine body, then the physical vehicle looks almost like um, meaningless or even not as essential or not as important. So then it gets um, uh, sort of neglected. So uh, back to the general idea. So the idea, I think, to embody all these different energies, mostly because then we become better vehicles to help others. Uh, so you could stay in the non-dual state, but then if your physical vehicle dissolves, uh, well, the only people who could actually, beings who could perceive you, <laughs> you become a multi-dimensional, an interdimensional being, are people who are clairvoyant. So if your physical vehicle is not around anymore, you may not be able to like talk or uh, hug someone or speak to someone. Um, and they may need that level of communication. So I think in the end, uh, you know, they're in one's kind of uh, training program or daily or weekly practice, they're sort of somewhat looking at each of the um, those seven subtle vehicles they have and exercising them or keeping them uh, you know, somewhat um, healthy or balanced. Right. And and um, you were also mentioning at the beginning the, um, the surrounding energies, both of the size, I mean, sacred size, and also our home. I, 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 could you please unpack a little bit about this? You were saying that, um, how did you phrase it? I think you said um, that we create our own energy. I mean, that our energies impacts our, also our surroundings and, and vice versa. Could you unpack a little bit on this? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think there are uh, maybe two main points uh, that may not be as self-evident or could be helpful. Uh, one is the, the most sacred site we should probably connect to first is where we live. Um, you know, there are ways to do that spiritually, uh, only because uh, where we live, like our, where our house is or apartment is or whatever, whatever our dwelling is, uh, we spend the most time there. So, uh, so there's this idea that maybe there's like these different sites, like I was mentioning, like Mount Shasta or Crestone or Peru, and they're kind of special or Egypt, and we go there. But even if we had that opportunity, kind of that karmic link, it's probably like, you know, uh, three, seven, 14 days, maybe of your entire life, you'd go only go there once, possibly, uh, if you did, some people maybe go return, but then it's still a very uh, small fraction. So we're only making that the sacred site of our life. Actually, we spend most of our time, uh, you know, where we live. And uh, the idea with the sacred site, I think that I was trying to allude to is that uh, our consciousness actually uh, makes it sacred. So when we uh, look at that, uh, wherever we are physically uh, as a location, for example, and it can also apply to objects as well as people, actually anything in the physical world, if we're always looking at it as sacred or divine, we actually activate it. It becomes uh, similar to how like um, a teacher, you know, there's many psychological studies if they see um, students, let's say in grade school or whatever the teaching environment is, uh, as uh, geniuses, and then the students actually start to um, act that way. Uh, so it's kind of like this positive um, uh, framework that one brings. It's very similar uh, to like um, the sacred land. So if you see where you live, even however it appears as divine, then it sort of like uh, activates it. And certain energy modalities, like one I've studied called biogeometry, uh, they actually can measure this uh, subtle energy change. 
if you see like a pencil, for example, something very straightforward, even we consider mundane as like a, a form of the divine, like how it appears to you, allows you to write and all the people and uh, conditions that were necessary to bring that pencil into your, again, coagulate in front of you, manifest. Uh, in some ways, that's an intellectual exercise. You realize like how infinite it is to even have certain things in your environment that seem very commonplace uh, be there. Then you could actually then take the step to see that as divine and using these certain pendulums in that modality, you can actually measure uh, more divine energy radiating off those objects. So we do that with our environment. And then just as a practice, I actually learned that also in that modality called biogeometry. It was started by Ibrahim Karim, a sort of uh, Egyptian-based uh, energy work, or is influenced strongly by uh, ancient Egyptian sort of principles of vibration. Uh, you connect with what's called the genie of the place, which is like the spiritual guardian of wherever you're located. And uh, if you kind of have that uh, capacity or are open to that, that spiritual being will actually, uh, when you create a good relationship with that spiritual being, uh, they'll uh, actually help uh, bring things into your life or assist you even just through inspiration or guidance to manifest your sort of soul plan or your higher self's plan. So actually that's the uh, the suggestion from Dr. Kareem is the first spiritual being in a place that you should connect to is the genie of your place or kind of the guardian of where your house or apartment uh, or dwelling place is located. Mm, thank you, that's beautiful. That's beautiful because it's beautiful because we, in this instance, we everything becomes beauty and magic around our world, thanks to our own consciousness, anyway, to our own projection and our own will. So it's really beautiful to 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 realize that. So thank you for for telling us. And um, so maybe just to we are coming to the end of our of our um, interview and our talk. Um, in your perspective. Where would you say that we stand as a collective uh, on our journey of ascension? Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a great time to be on the planet. You know, I think um, I kind of have the belief that we're uh, consciousness or we're souls, so to speak. So we've taken on many incarnations, and the fact that uh, you know everyone here, of course, listening or here has uh, taken on a physical vehicle. If we look around, it's like a you know, we're coming to a place where we're using, like I said, this uh, merger of the two uh, levels of the brain, if you wanted to use that as an example, as a symbol of these two levels of consciousness, kind of the concrete knowledge, uh, technological, scientific, linear, uh, that we've come to a very high degree. Now we can actually physically travel the space, which is probably due to uh, that technology. Um, and we'll continue to do that. Maybe even uh, this incarnation or one or two in the future, people will be actually living maybe a lot of their life uh, in space uh, globally. Uh, and then, or at least there'll be a more common space travel uh, and not just kind of for a small uh, population. Uh, and then we're moving even to a higher level of intuition, uh, spiritual practice, I think a lot of the ancient spiritual practices, many 
uh, people uh, who've been practicing that are now refining them into new techniques. And this is also globally uh, available, also through technology, uh, like uh, like this telesummit, for example. People might hear ideas like they may have heard that biogeometry, then it's easy enough for them to uh, go and maybe get trained in that uh, or any other kind of uh, modality that other speakers talk about uh, simply by finding it on the web. But if you think one incarnation back, if people believe in, in reincarnation, that would just not, uh, that information was available to a very small group of people, let's say ancient Egyptian knowledge, but you, you, uh, you probably didn't have the means to travel very easily uh, or the capacity to find it like almost instantly by the, let's say the internet. <laughs> so it was completely uh, different. So I think it's, uh, it's great for acceleration of consciousness, thinking of from a soul level to be incarnated now. We have uh, so much here available and knowledge available. So it's kind of like a renaissance period that will probably last for um, hundreds of years. Wow, and yeah, it's beautiful, this um, this analogy with the renaissance. Thank you. And uh, maybe any final words of wisdom you would like to share with the uh, audience? Oh, I think, uh, yeah, I think everyone uh, here who's listening and, and uh, you uh, who created this great uh, platform are way showers, you know, like uh, this idea of the morphic field, uh, whatever effort we're placing on our own um, spiritual development, consciousness development, without even like uh, proselytizing or having to tell anyone, like uh, physically communicate to anyone, although that probably naturally happens. Uh, maybe through some kind of social media or that we're connected to, or just by talking to our friends. But any work on ourself kind of affects that morphic field and I think accelerates it. It makes it easier uh, for people who are trying or searching spiritually to kind of uh, make their own personal breakthroughs because it's almost like in the etheric, astral, causal, spiritual realms, uh, other people have spent that effort and time to kind of work on themselves. So it's almost like those paths, those grooves are open. And you can kind of see how uh, that effect on uh, globally, uh, people are, are awakening at a much faster rate. And that's because of the people uh, maybe who are like a cohort before, could be even been like a couple of years before had been, or a decade before had also been doing that work. So we're all sort of interconnected and helping each other. Wow, yeah, thank you for this uh, beautiful uh, conclusion. Thank you. Gene. Um, Gene, you are offering a free gift to our audience. You are offering a 45-minute transmission, which was recorded during one of your retreats at Manchester. Could you say a few words about it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think people might uh, enjoy the transmission. It's like uh, similar to getting uh, energy healing if that's new to you. You just kind of play the MP3. It doesn't even have to, you don't even have to play the sound at a certain point. You may want to in the beginning to kind of hear kind of the guidance of what's going on, but it acts like a resonance tuner to the energy that was brought down. And uh, this is kind of the energies that was created at these retreats are sort of interdimensional energies, uh, star energies that are very easy to connect to. And so kind of with intention, a, a type of like healing vortex is created and uh, uh, to those other dimensional realities, you know, sourced from the divine and particularly through your guides or teachers, you know, um, some people might know who they are spiritually, uh, other people that might be new, So, but uh, they're kind of still there. Uh, they may not just have come to conscious awareness, and, and they may uh, come to conscious awareness through the transmission, uh, for example. 
but these energies come in, and in particular, uh, this one is helping us to um, bring through on the physical and etheric level, much like the maybe theme of the conference, this uh, embodiment level, all the way to the physical etheric vehicle, uh, the high divine energies uh, from these higher dimensions. So this will help that embodiment process. Oh, well, thank you. It's a great gift. Thank you. So, well, thank you to everybody for being here with us. Thank you again to Gene Ang for all uh, his wisdom that he shared with us. Um, well, namaste and satnam. Namaste. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Alex.